Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. Our series on this concept of open doors. God opens doors for us to experience Him and to know Him, to, to find Him and to see like His, His glory and His power. And last week we talked about this verse here. This verse here in Revelation chapter 3. I'll make this bigger for you. It says, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. We're talking about how God has opened doors for us to see Him and to experience Him. And some people choose not to enter through those doors, and they go through life, and their experiences of God are so limited, right, that people will just kind of go through the motions and say, oh yeah, I go to church, and I heard some cool sermons, and I, you know, He answered these little prayers, and our experience of God is so limited, but God gives us open doors that we would find Him. And today, what I want to talk to you guys about is the concept of, you're going to hear right now, is this, how many of you guys have FOMO? Raise your hand if you sometimes feel FOMO. Some people don't care. Some people don't. You're like, I don't care if you guys go out and have fun without me. Believe it or not, God created us with a desire for more. And so when you are at home... FOMO means fear of missing out, that, that you feel like, okay, everybody is going out to eat, and if I don't go, I'm going to miss something that happens. My brother always tells me, because whenever I go to like some type of mission trip, or I get to, he's always like, every time you go, you come out with these cool stories, I feel like I always miss out. And so many of us, the reason why you have FOMO, or the fear of missing out, is because deep down inside of you, you have the desire for more. You have the desire for a richer experience, a deeper experience of God. And so because of that, you get these feelings of FOMO. But the more you feel, the more that we're supposed to experience or the things that we're made for more, only the more is it more money or more success or more impressive experiences, our hunger for more in turn turns to be like, you can't satisfy it. You try to satisfy it by wanting more for me. Usually when you want more, you want more for yourself. And it's never satisfied. The only way, biblically speaking, open doors are a divine invitation. God is inviting you to make your life count with God's help for the sake of others. You are meant for more. That your life would count, not for yourself, but for the sake of others. God's calling to Abraham was that Abraham would be a blessing. Not that he would have blessing. 
Along with being a blessing, he got blessing. But Abraham's main call was that he would be a blessing to others. And if you, for, if you forget this concept of doing it for the sake of others, you're never going to feel satisfied. Anything that you get, more money, more houses, more Facebook posts, more Facebook likes, more all of these things that we do. You know why people post on, on Facebook? It's because they want to share with the world that, hey, I'm experiencing stuff too. You went on a vacation? Well, I went on a vacation. You have friends? Well, I have friends. No, you don't. You just ask people to join you in a picture, okay? <laughs> this, this concept of fearing to miss out is within because you are longing for more. And I want you to identify with me for a second. How many of you can identify that I'm longing for so much more and something just isn't right? Chances are you're living for yourself. Chances are everything is about you. What people will do for you. How people will make you happy. How people will meet your needs. And so you went out and it wasn't as magical as I thought it was. Nobody made me feel extra happy and so I feel just as empty. And so I went out again, or I did this, or I did that. And you're still finding this insatiable or this unsatisfiable desire and want for more. What we're going to do is, we're going to study the book of Ruth today and see how when we live for the sake of others, when you live for the sake of others and you take the open door that God gives you to live for others, how God will transform your life. Here it says in Ruth chapter 1, it says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. Okay, in the middle of this famine, there's this little family. I'll read you guys just a few verses. The name of the man was Elimech and the name of his wife was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Mahlon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to the country of Moab and remained there. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. Now they took wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. And they dwelt there about ten years. Then both Mahlon and Chilion also died, so the woman survived her two sons and her husband. So what's happening? There's a woman named... There's a man named Elimelech and a woman named Naomi. They're married. They are Jews. And they are living in in, in Israel. And there's a famine. So what they decided to do was, because there's a famine in Israel, they decided to go and to live in a place called Moab. Moab, to the Jews, was the most despised place. These people were the great enemies of Israel. They were... They were people that were always fighting against the Israelites. They were pagans. They worshipped idols. So I want you to imagine, these Jews decided to leave Israel. Israel was the promised land, the place that was given to them by God, the place that they were meant to be in fellowship with God, and they went down to Moab. And they lived in Moab, and their two sons married these two young ladies, Orpah and Ruth, okay? After living in Moab for 10 years, the two sons die, and so now it's just Naomi, she's the mother-in-law, and Orpah and Ruth. All of a sudden, you have this situation 
where these girls are Moabites. They're not Jews. Their husbands died. The Jewish lady, Naomi, is their mother-in-law, right? So you guys just read between the lines, okay, right? It's their mother-in-law. They're supposed to be basically saying, okay, Tant, Rabbin Ma'aki, God be with you. Go back to Israel. Send us letters every once in a while. Have a good day. Let's read the story here and see what happened. After living in 10 years, everybody, the, 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 all the men die. And there's a small turn in the story. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. So after 10 years, Naomi hears that, okay, the famine is over in Israel. Let's go back. And the two daughter-in-laws are with her. Naomi's daughter-in-law, Orpah and Ruth, are going with her. They leave the little town where they live in Moab, and they hit the road. And then look what happens here. Verse 8 and 9. It says this, And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. Naomi tells these two young ladies, says, thank you guys for everything for you've done, but you guys are Moabites. Just stay here. Don't trouble yourself. It was in the Jewish custom that if a woman's, you know, uh, her son dies, that she would give her next son to the, the, the widowed daughter-in-law. Well, she says, I don't have any other sons. And even if I were to have a son today, it would take way too long for you guys to wait for this. Okay. So look, I don't have anything. I'm poor. I'm taking a risk. I'm going back to Israel. I don't know what I'm going to find. Just stay here. And they said to her, surely we will return with you to your people. Why? Why are they coming before Naomi and saying, we will return with you? There is no reason to go on this journey at all. It makes no sense that somebody would leave what they've always known. There's no famine there. There's no problems there. It's Moab. Yes, they're idol worshipers, but you know what? Everything is fit. It's worked for us for 10 years. Let's just stay here. And they told their mother-in-law, we're returning with you. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. So the, verse 11 says what? Turn back. Verse 12 says, turn back. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband tonight and should also bear sons, would you wait for them till they were grown? Would you restrain, your, restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said this most glorious verse. Listen to this verse. Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For, for wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. And your God, my God, where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also. If anything but death 
parts you and me. You see, there's two daughters in this situation. One is Orpah and one is Ruth. Orpah stays in Moab. We don't know anything about her again until she starts her talk show, okay? I'm just kidding. Oprah. <laughs> Some of you guys, okay, are from the 80s, okay. Orpah, we don't see her again. We don't see her again. She lives in Moab, and that's it. Ruth says, nothing is going to get in the way of me going back with you. What are you doing? What are you doing, Ruth, that you would go back with Naomi? Why would you take this chance? Orpah goes home, but Ruth won't go back. You see, four times... The mother-in-law is telling them, go back, return, return, return. Ruth said, there is a door for me to go with you, and I'm going to take it. It's a chance. One person is reasonable in their thinking, right? Orpah is reasonable, right? It doesn't really make sense for me to go after this old lady. I'm not a Jew. They don't like Moabites there. The husband has died. I'm still young. I can still find another husband. There's still so much more opportunity. It's reasonable to just Stay back and you can't blame her. Am I correct? So many of you are making these choices of doing what is just reasonable. It just makes sense. It just is the most normal thing to do. Okay? I think so many of us miss these opportunities to experience the glory of God because we don't take the chances that God puts before you. God likes to take his children on adventures, and he takes them on adventures, not just alone. We talked about that in a journey of following God in his service. But the next thing is, is to be committed to loving someone, to be committed to risking everything for the sake of love. Ruth decides to live an unreasonable life. It doesn't make any sense. God didn't ask her to do this. She just chose, and now she's just a partner with God. Ruth, what are you going to do when you get there and they don't like you? I don't know. What are you going to do? There's like no money. There's no husband to work. What are you going to do? I don't know. Then why are you going? I'm going because I'm committed to taking care of Naomi as a daughter-in-law. And she's committed to the service of Naomi. I want to ask you today. There is some place where God is challenging you to be committed to someone to being committed to someone in their service, to being committed to love someone. God has given you a door. God has knocked on your heart. He's shown you that, hey, I'm giving you a chance. If you want to take it, you can. If you don't, it's totally understandable. I understand that you just want a normal life. A lot of people tell me, Abuna, you know, when I greet people and they're new to church and they don't know anybody and they cling to me and they stick to me and I don't know what to do after that, it's just awkward. I say, you're right. Take a chance. And maybe you'll discover something amazing when you commit yourself to loving others. I know of, of a young lady who, when her, her mom was sick and she got dementia and they put her in a, in a home for, for people to be taken care of with a full-time nurse, this, sister, this daughter ended up saying, you know what, I'm going to commit to taking care of of my mother. Well, she's in the home. They have a nurse. They take care of her. She would go every day after work. Your mom can't speak. 
Your mom doesn't understand. Your mom can't communicate. Your mom can't do anything for you. So why would you do this? She doesn't even get it. Her mind doesn't understand. But she was so committed to love. And she went out on this commitment of every day feeding. The nurses can feed her. No, I'm going to feed her. The nurses can change her adult diapers. No, I'm going to change her adult diapers. What are you doing? She's taking a chance on love. And this person transformed into a person that has a capacity for love that you and I may never understand. She has the ability to love at extents and distances that you and I might be like, wow, that's so heroic. Because she's taken an open door at love that God has expanded her. God has expanded her heart. God has given her the ability to make a difference in lives around her. That everybody watching her is saying, this is Christ. All she did was take an open door. It's not reasonable. It doesn't make sense. I want you to think about where God has given you an open door. If you guys have heard of the Jesuit order in the Catholic, it's a Jesuit order of celibate priests. They're wonderful um, fathers who serve all over the world. Well, this Jesuit order, they chose as their motto a single word with their founder, Ignatius of Loyola, to inspire heroic deeds. So they called it magus, which is the Latin word for more. Okay? The motto is more. So these Jesuit priests, the motto every day, they wake up, when they pray, they do their prayers, they have this motto in front of them, this, this theme for their, their ministry that says more. Do more. Offer more. But they say, Loyola himself, Ignatius of Loyola, described the ideal Jesuit as living with one foot raised. His one foot is raised, always looking for the next opportunity to love. Listen to what happens. It says that by 1800, it's estimated that one-fifth of Europe was educated by Jesuit-led schools. We were made for more. Not to have more out of love for self, but out of love for God. Could you imagine that one-fifth of all of Europe was raised by these Jesuit priests because they committed themselves to what? To love. Story in Mother Teresa who... She used to love to serve the, the poorest of the poor. And she found herself going to the hardest cases and the people with the sickest wounds and the, the hardest things to look at even medically. And she would go and, and commit that she herself, she would ask if she could treat the wounds. The doctor would say, but we have nurses. She says, no, I want the blessing. Well, one of the patients who had like an infection in his leg and it was starting to go to the point that they were risking amputating the leg. She committed to treating and to loving this boy until eventually his infection went away. He moved on with life. He grew up, made it to college, had this big position, in, in, and, and he came and he found her in the street. He says, Mother Teresa. And she looks at him. She doesn't recognize him. He says, do you remember me? It's, and she, he says his name. He says, do you remember me in the hospital? You bandaged my wounds and you took care of me. I'm here and I'm fine. Now I'm this big engineer and this big, big shot in my, in my job. And she looks at him, she says, come, we have many people to serve. She grabs his hand, she starts to serve more. And God starts to open doors through a commitment to love. So yesterday I was talking about this, this bubble that we always stay in. Where we always, last week, when we always talk about this concept of like, 
I just want to stay safe with God. And I told you that God will never be in these 10 square feet. You have to go outside. The next open door is the open door to love others. Look at 118. Ruth, I'm sorry, Naomi, when she saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. She stopped telling her, return and leave me alone and just stay where you are. Naomi said, all right, Ruth, let's go on this journey. And they go on this journey and they get there and they go to Bethlehem. And then I'm going to explain the rest of the story. Actually, the next part of opening doors is noticing people. Notice people around you. I want you that when you walk through the halls, notice people. Look for the person that is sitting by themselves. Look for the person that doesn't know where to go. Look for the person who is sitting in the sermon, hungry for every word that is going to be spoken. Look and notice people. God is going to give you open doors for the people that are around you. There could be saints sitting among you. If you guys know um, Father Carolus Ibrahim, he's a priest. Maybe you see a lot of his posts about Pope Carolus on Facebook. He's a wonderful father. He has a very close relationship with Pope Carolus. And he shares about this woman in his congregation. Her name is Tant Samira. Maybe you've heard of this, this story. Tant Samira is just an old lady. She has all kinds of sicknesses. She would go to church. Every once in a while, she would need a, a ride to liturgy going home or coming back. Just a normal old lady. His church is in this cool, vibrant, young city, Irvine, California. It's all like young professionals, all rich people. And there's this old lady in this church. She's not the type of person that you would notice. She's not the person that's going to carry your mission, right, as a priest in this vibrant area. But he noticed her. And he began to visit her. And he discovered that this woman is more than a saint. That she might be among the anchorites. And he noticed her and he began to serve her. And as he would visit, there would be like apparitions in her house of like oil coming down from pictures of, of Pope Carolus. That um, saints are, are making their presence known by these, by these, these, these scents of, of, of the spices that we put on the relics of saints. And this priest is saying, I had no idea that this simple old lady in my church was a saint. He noticed her. He noticed her. You see, he's able to talk about these great experiences with Tan Samira, who is a saint. You know, many people will, will say that she's a saint. All because he noticed someone. Let's look at what I'm talking about here. In Ruth chapter 2, Boaz tells the people in his field. So Ruth is out collecting like things that fall in the field, fruits and grain and different things from the field. Boaz tells the men, please, nobody bother her. If anything falls, let her take it. If she needs anyone to carry a jug of water for her, please carry it for her because he noticed. Because he said, who is this woman? They said, this is the woman, Ruth, that came with her mother-in-law, Naomi. And because she came to be with her to take care of his mother-in-law, Boaz, the Bible over and over says, noticed her. He noticed her. And he began to serve Ruth. And he began to give her an open, they're poor people, they're living here. He says, anything in my fields, take whatever you want, don't worry. Anybody who needs, you need help from, the men will carry, they're not going to bother you, no one's going to bother you. 
Boaz noticed her. Eventually, to make a long story short, Ruth and Boaz fall in love. Ruth chooses Boaz. She wants to be his bride. And basically, uh, her mom says, go at midnight when Boaz is laying in the field. Go lay at his feet and, and, and just stay there. And Boaz looks and he says, what are you doing? There's other rich men, young men. I am, why are you coming to me? But Ruth was committed because she saw the character of Boaz. You see, she was able to see the character of Boaz, and Boaz was able to look at the character of Ruth. Notice people. Look for people's character. Look for people. Those are open doors for you to experience special friendships. Believe it or not, because you're in your own little bubble, a lot of us, we're a lo- lot of us feel lonely. A lot of us feel that I don't have rich experiences in my friendships. You know why? Your eyes aren't open to character. Your eyes are maybe open to superficial things, how somebody looks, how somebody um, dresses, what type of class, a, a social class they're in, if they're good looking, if they have a great position. And so because our eyes are so carnal and we only look at things on the outside, we're missing so many open doors to connect deeply with someone. Ruth and Boaz both found the greatest people they ever knew. Ruth found Boaz as a man who loved and, and, and gave his field to her and served this poor woman and took care of her. And Boaz saw a woman that's taking care of her mother-in-law and saw this great virtue in this Moabite woman that left. Who are you noticing? Doors open when I actually notice and care about people I might otherwise overlook. Who are you overlooking? What superficial standards are in your heart that you're unable to notice some gem in our community? Somebody in your neighborhood. Last week I told a story about my neighbor. And as my neighbor was like kind of opening up, they had been in this circumstance for like two or three years. I was so disappointed in myself. He's coming and he's he's my next door neighbor. And he said, all these things that they were going through and what other neighbors saw. And I'm like, I didn't even notice. I was so ashamed of myself. You know, Sherry would always say, you know, Father Paul, let's go. Let's have them over. I'm like, I have a whole congregation of people right now. I have a load like this. I don't need any more people. And she would give me the look and I would always feel guilty, but I never took action. When God opened up a door, I realized that I didn't notice somebody suffering. I didn't notice an opportunity in which I could have been a blessing. So in this concept, as we're studying the book, of, the, the book of Ruth, and we're looking at her character, look at these people who take a chance. There is somebody in your community that is a great blessing, and you're overlooking them because of their accent, because of their culture, because of whatever it is, and so they just don't fit your mold, and so everybody has their own group of people they connect with, And you're missing gems. One of the priests in Canada was telling me that he has this very, very saintly Eritrean woman in his church who St. Mary, like, literally appears to her in liturgy, almost every liturgy. And Abuna, in discovering, he would just go visit, you know, congregation members, and he went, and he would give extra special attention. And she said, Father, because because you spent so much time with me, I want to share with you something so special. And she began to, to, to 
she began to tell Abuna special things about himself that St. Mary had revealed to this woman to encourage Abuna. Abuna was going through a hard time at the time. And he discovered a gem in this woman because he went out and looked past any cultural differences, any age gaps, any, and he found a gem in this beautiful woman. What doors are open to you that you are closing? Why don't you have friendships? It's because you're living for yourself. Live for others. See how other people are givers. They give, give, give. Maybe you are a taker, taker, taker. And that's why your relationships are so shallow. And you can't experience the wonderful things of God. Open doors are everywhere, every single day. And when we follow God's leading, we receive the blessing of seeing the world and our place the way he sees it. Recently, I, uh, I saw a person in liturgy who I believe I had offended in one of the youth meetings like six years ago. I said something, you know, as, as society is changing, I said something very immaturely, mocking kind of like the way society is going, and, and this person looked. Here, Abuna is like making a joke about society. She looked, she walked up out of the meeting, and I didn't see her for six years. There's not a day that I don't go by, that doesn't go by without me thinking about this young girl. How immature I was and how selfish I was, how arrogant I was. Mocking about something that is not the way of Christ. Well, I was praying a liturgy one day and I look in the, I'm standing giving a sermon and I see this young person in the congregation. And I said, oh my God, Lord, you brought her yourself. You brought her yourself. And I'm so distracted during my sermon, I don't know what to say. I'm so like embarrassed of what I did six years ago. Church ends, I'm going to go find her. I can't find her. I'm looking all over the place, I can't find the girl. I said, Lord, please, give me one open door. Give me just one open door. I'm sorry for what I did. Help me find this person. I look around, wherever I go to the parking lot, person is in the back of the parking lot. I said, I said hey, how are you? She kind of gives me this like, <laughs> you're, you're that priest. And I said, can I just, and I'm saying, Lord, give me boldness. Give me an open door, give me boldness. I said, can I just speak to you for five minutes? She said, okay. She kind of has this like one, you know, the one eyebrow kind of thing going up. <laughs> and we go into my office, and I just apologize. I said, I was so immature and so foolish and so proud and so arrogant and all these things. I made a big mistake. And I began to share how, how, how my eyes have changed, have opened, how, I, how I've grown, how I've matured. And I said, I want to apologize to you. For six years, your image has not left my mind. She couldn't believe it. She couldn't believe it. We both got very, very emotional. I hugged her like 10 times. I couldn't, I couldn't stop hugging her because I was thanking God that here she is. And I said, please, please, please forgive me. She said, okay, Father Paul, like, like, that's enough. And she gave me a hug and, you know, everything is, is peaceful. And now the person is like back in the kingdom of God. God gave me little open door, I could have said, you know what? Like, it is what it is. There's 10,000 people at church. Somebody's going to get mad at me. No big deal. And I began to feel like God is saying, there's a tiny little open door. Do you want to take it? And I said, yes, Lord, but I'm afraid. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm so ashamed. And I took that open door. God showed me wonders. How God is always willing to work through the open door. 
God is always shining lights in front of you. Don't walk with your head like down on the ground where you're not looking for the open doors that God wants to give you with others. Ruth found the open door. She went with Naomi. She married Boaz. They had a kid. The kid's name is Obed. Obed is the father of Jesse, who is the father of David, who is in the line of Jesus Christ himself. Imagine Ruth had no clue that this adventure she was going to take with Naomi, that her great, 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 great grandson was the son of God. Was the son of God. Jesus Christ himself, the son of God, was her great, 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 great grandson. All because Ruth took an open door. I'm challenging you. Look for open doors. Look for opportunities to give something up to love. Love people. Serve people. Go out of your way for others. I believe that God wants to do something through our community. I believe that God opens up doors every single day to special people who today, you're like, Abuna, this person is not that person that you just described in your story. This person is not the Tansamira saint. This person is a heathen. This heathen could be the next Saint Mary of Egypt. When we went to Kenya, we, you're going to hear some stories. When we went to Kenya, we worked a lot among the sex workers, a lot of women who prostitute themselves to survive, to eat. And as we would go in the service and meet people in the congregation, and we had servants, and we're talking, and we're just assuming. And one of the servants said, by the way, Father Paul, I was a sex worker. This servant was the most amazing servant ever. She was shining. She was full of just grace and boldness and love and service. I would have never known that she was one of the sex workers. But because somebody saw an open door and reached her and brought her in, now she is a great missionary for Christ. Open doors. Use the open doors. Somebody is knocking and you're saying, I don't need trouble. I like my little bubble. I don't need headaches. Some people are difficult. Some people are troublemakers. Ruth is the grandmother of the Son of God. Because she went through a door and took a chance and took a risk on love. I pray that we could have that spirit. Look for the open doors. Notice people who you normally would overlook. That person could be the greatest blessing in your life. Glory be to God forever. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart and we pray that it will not only inform you but will also transform you and your life with Christ.